Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Curzon Podcast. We're going to be discussing uh, a retrospective film. Uh, this is Andrei Tarkovsky's 1972 sci-fi classic Solaris. Uh, there is currently a Andrei Tarkovsky retrospective uh, taking place on uh, Curzon Home Cinema. If you're interested in we decided to pick his probably most popular film uh, as our film of the week. Uh, so I'm Sam Howlett, and as always, I'm joined by uh, Helen Seymour Hello. and Jenna Hobbs. Hiya. I couldn't decide which of the two of you to introduce first. Yeah. Uh, I went with Helen in the end, because I feel like she's been here longest. And yeah. also, she got here before you. Yeah, that's true. I was late today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Solaris, uh, I'm sure many of you have heard of it before. It's often regarded as one of the greatest sci-fi films of all time. So, uh, it has a uh, stars Donatus <clears throat> Banionis uh, as Chris Kelvin, he's a psychologist sent to a space station which is currently hovering over the fictional planet of Solaris uh, and he's been sent there in order to discover what's caused the crew to go insane essentially but while he's there, they are, all the crew are plagued by should we say hallucinations, just kind of. strange appearances though, yeah. Um, yeah, without revealing too much let's just say mm-hmm. it's that it's a long film it's incredibly long yeah it's a little bit of a not a trial, but it's just you've well, it's got just to set I mean, aside a lot of time. Especially yeah. going from our nice ninety-minute fast-paced film of Love and yeah. Friendship last week, two hours forty-five. You don't often get films that long no. anymore. Yeah, probably the Hobbit. Yeah, the that's hob- yeah. true. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that though. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, so I think there's there's two approaches to this this kind of film really. So on one hand, it's an art film, and it's a philosophical exploration of human consciousness. Mm-hmm. Essentially, but also that it's a science fiction narrative entertainment film. I guess it's set in a spaceship. There's extraterrestrial type beings. Um, mm. It's a coherent, you know, it's a coherent narrative. So I was just wondering how you thought the t- the film sort of uh, balances those two aspects of, on one hand, being an art film, and on one hand, being a form of entertainment and a, a telling of a story. What are your thoughts on that? Well, Sam, can't art be entertainment? Can do. And, but do you think... nailed it in one. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of uh, this week's episode. Okay, but do you think this film was an entertaining work of art? Or did you think it will only... Do you think this film only works as art? Or do you think you could happily sit and watch this film and be entertained by it? It's entertaining. Okay. And it's art. 
But it's also not an easygoing watch. No. Like most sci-fi films, I think you put on, and you know, it's kind of like escapism for yeah. a few hours. Whereas I think this film's like addresses very heavily, kind of like yeah. the meaning of life, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I I felt it more to be more a questioning piece of art than a piece of escapist entertainment. But, oh, well, you've changed it now. Have you've I? You've defined it as escapist. Oh, sorry, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, true. Maybe I don't always need to escape when I'm entertained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found it to be... I was surprised, actually, about how sort of sci-fi it was and kind of relative mainstream sci-fi as well, in a way. Yeah. Like, the certain things that reminded me a lot of... Um, well, I think we'll talk about this later on a bit, but certain modern popular science fiction films are very much influenced by this I think I really agree definitely yeah and also like Doctor Who yes no. sure there's a lot of Doctor Who yeah. there I, I think but so let's so should we talk about the art aspects of this film or the science fiction f- first if we're going to separate them what would you think let's talk about the art the art okay I enjoyed the reads at the beginning yes beautiful opening mm-hmm. I think the whole the a way to describe this film is beautiful, actually. Yeah, it really, really is. Really striking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the cinematography is really gorgeous. Absolutely. Um, it's very So as an art film, it's really ambiguous, I think, which is often the case with art films, that it doesn't pander to its audience, doesn't like tell you what's happening. You have to work it out. Yeah, I spent the first 15 to 20 minutes having absolutely no idea what was going on. Yeah, Like, none absolutely. at all. I don't know about you guys. I would like to extend that to an hour. <laughs> 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 I mean, but I was I didn't really know what was yeah. going on. It was very confusing to begin with, but like in a good way. I don't think you like feel out of your depths no, of it because sure. you're on the journey and with it. You them. can follow the thread, yeah, but yeah, in yeah. general you don't get the whole message of yeah, it sure. very quickly. And I think it's good. I think that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also a thing as well, um, this whole thing about characters' motivations. It's very unclear what the um, any of the leads really want. And they do things that, you, that in a they wouldn't do in a mainstream film just because it's not clear why they're doing these things and it doesn't really make sense entirely for their character or what we know of their character. But again, it's about that idea of being ambiguous and then the audience work things out mm. on their own that the reasons he does, the, the, that Chris does certain things is, and we, we, we may question that and think, why, why would he do that mm. when yeah. he's just done this? But I think that's part of it, that you're thrown into the deep end with this film. Um, and everything's quite uneasy. Very uneasy, yeah. There's, yeah, it's almost horror at times, I think. Mm. I think so. Yeah. I was scared. Really? He's actually scared? You know how he <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not terrified, yeah. but I was a bit like, oh, this might go a horrible direction now. Yeah, very could potentially. Uh, I think as well that it's more about uh, psychology over action as well, mm-hmm. which is very much the case of an art film. So, not so, um, I don't know if we said this while recording or before, that not a lot really happens ultimately. Yeah, no, not a lot happens. It, it's, it's a lot of talking rather than yeah. action, I think. And there's a lot of like philosophical conversations yeah. going on, which is nice to see rather than someone running down the hallway with a gun. Yeah. It's nice to just Agreed. sit and watch this and listen to interesting ideas. And they are interesting, which is, yeah. you know, it's not one of those films that just has a lot of sci-fi garbage. Absolutely, out. yeah. It doesn't it, actually mean anything. But it's not really that sci-fi, really, the things they're discussing. They're kind of very human and very... I don't know, like... Hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. yeah. But did you... I think I found at times it was a little bit heavy-handed with its kind mm, of morality. I felt that a bit. I felt like sometimes though those conversations, as impressively written as they were, yeah. they did felt feel very on the nose. And it's the, kind, it's the thing that the film does so well often is show, don't tell. Yes. I feel like that was them telling us. 
Yeah, I felt that quite a lot of the way. That was them the saying, oh, this is this idea, rather than um, that being explored through the narrative and being revealed through, like, actions and things with, within the plot, if that yes. makes sense. Yeah, I definitely jumbled. agree. But, I mean, I, I've also loved how much it's made me think about those things. Certainly, yeah. Um, so, in terms of it being a sci-fi, I just want to ask, are you two... Where do you stand on sci-fi? Are you... I really don't like sci-fi, or are you more, like... I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like sometimes sci-fi and horror are the kind of two genres where you either love them or hate them. Mm-hmm. Like, Helen, for example, is not a horror fan. But I often like the ideas behind the horror films. Okay. I just... Visually, I find it... It stays in my head too long. Mm-hmm. And I okay. don't enjoy that. But I like all the ideas behind it. Right, okay, it. sure. So I like... I could read a scary story. It's more just yeah. the visual stuff somehow. Okay. But, um... Yes, I know what you're saying by that. They yeah. are the two that kind of people are really Quite polarising, because I feel like yeah. comedies is like... It'd be weird if someone said, oh, I don't like comedy, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. there are a lot of people I'm sure... Oh, no, I wouldn't see that, because I don't really like sci-fi. I would say I probably come from a point of ignorance with sci-fi okay. more than anything else. It's not a genre I've delved into a lot. Um, and But I do... To be honest with you, I do always enjoy it when I do watch it. I think I just always... It's not my go-to. Yeah, okay. Well, because I thought this film... Well, it's, it takes... Nearly, I sure like forty minutes for them to actually get to space. A really long yeah, time. Nearly long an hour. Yeah. yeah, I think it was a lot more interesting when they got to space. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that first hour is probably the hardest part to yeah. get through, really. And there's lots of very, very, very long shots that yeah don't serve a huge purpose. Yeah. Would you say? Uh, I think perhaps. I think that there's a lot of. I mean, the film's very existential, and mm. existentialism often involves mm-hmm. people looking sadly in, at nature. Yes. Mm. Which is <laughs> how the film opens. Yeah. But it is beautiful nature. It is beautiful nature, yeah. and it does. Yeah, it, it um, perfectly sets up Chris to be uh, in some form of existential crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does that very well without having someone, a character, go, oh, he's having an existential crisis. Yeah, true. But yeah, it takes a while to actually get into space. But once it did, I was surprised about how sci-fi it went. Like the, the it was a spaceship, mm-hmm. you know. It's a it's a, a different planet. Um, but just there's also really subtleties I think that they managed to weave in into the earlier part. You obviously have the video where they explain what's mm-hmm. happened on Solaris and things like that. But you also have the boy who has never seen a horse before, and he says he doesn't really know what that species is. And I thought that's quite interesting that it's you know that this is a different world from our mm-hmm. own. Like obviously it's yeah. Earth, but it's in the future. Yeah, just something yeah. subtle like that. You think okay, this is different from what we know. Good point. But without it being hover cars or mm-hmm. flying machines or anything like that. So it's our world, but it's in the not too distant future. Yes. What's your take on sci-fi? Oh, fan, I'm, I mean, I love like Star Wars. I'm not a huge like, Star Trek fan or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not like a diehard, but I do enjoy this kind of more cerebral mm-hmm. science fiction. Um, and when I was trying to think of what films this reminded me of, all of them I actually really love. So like Ex Machina, it reminded me of slightly. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, that was yes. a great film. So I think it's just the idea. So it's quite claustrophobic, this film. And it's also, there's a strange female character in the film that yes. kind of is the main focal point And you're not sure of her their motivations. Mm-hmm. That's very much the same in Ex I, Machina. It's exactly the same, I thought, of that film yeah. not watching this. Also Interstellar as well, yeah. where you've got this, it starts on Earth and... The, the male lead character leaves his family and I loved it as well that Chris sort of accepts the fact that he probably his dad will probably die when, yeah, because sad. he goes up there which I'm is I'm going to go ahead and say Interstellar that bit in Interstellar might have been sort of heavily inspired by I, that I think notion. very much so I, yeah. I might be wrong but I think you're right I think there's a lot of Interstellar in this I mean yeah. just the design as well 
Absolutely. And the um, the planet they go to in Interstellar, which I can't remember if it even has a name, but when the planet they go to yeah. is entirely water-based, mm. very similar to Solaris. Um, but I, th- I think the big comparison is actually 2001, which sure. was made four years prior to this. Mm. Uh, I found a lot of similarities. Although, interestingly enough, Tarkovsky said he didn't see 2001 before he made this. So the similarities are coincidental. He must find that so annoying. Yeah, because <laughs> it's definitely there. And then he'll be like, and no one would believe it. Why is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure so I do. Annoying. There was even, there was so many. Yeah, there was a lot of very similarity. Like the design of the spaceship is similar, and it's the fact it's very slow mm. and isn't completely a straightforward story. Isn't a straightforward narrative and as such. That you're not 100 percent sure what's what... what's real, what's really yeah. going on. And there's also a really weird example that one of the characters thinks he can see a giant baby. Mm. A giant child, yeah. which happens at the end of 2001. There's a giant baby. So I was like, that's really, that's such a weird coincidence. But we'll pass it off as a coincidence. We're not going to accuse <laughs> Tarkovsky of plagiarism. No, we are not. <laughs> um, there's also something I really liked as well. It's the, um, on the spaceship, one of the characters puts like paper over the air fence to oh, yeah. mi- mimic the sound of leaves, which I thought is a nice little kind of sci-fi moment there, this idea that they're in a place that's so sterile and futuristic mm. and technologically advanced that they have to do this to make themselves feel back at home with nature. That was a really like sad little moment. At the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh full circle, absolutely. <laughs> it was, oh, that was really sad, actually. I was kind of thinking about, you know, when you are homesick or you go away and you like the things you, you look forward things, to, yeah. the little things you do, yeah. Yeah, definitely. that was a really great moment. The kind of human nature of it all. Yeah, certainly. So, um, no, I think it balances art and entertainment well in that respect. Mm-hmm. And like, a, a, a very much a slow art film but also with sci-fi visuals. Um, what do you think? What do you think about the visuals? Do you think they held up? What to today? Yeah, to today for today's standards, the what the planet looks like, the shots of the the spacecraft and the uh, the space station. How do you think? Did, were you ever unconvinced, or did you think it pulled it off? Just about. It was okay. Yeah, I mean, there was nothing too over the top. I thought it was all quite subtle, but. Yeah, some I mean, sort of CGI. There were some, really. yeah, slight issues, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's obviously things we're looking are. at as some people in 2016 and go, oh, that's Ooh. a bit clunky. That's Say a the wires. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Of, yeah. But I think overall, I think you can look past that yeah. and suspend your disbelief, definitely. Definitely, yeah. So in terms of uh, his, the historical context of the film, a lot of people comp- think it's like a Cold War type. Slight, not quite allegory, but... <laughs> you're obviously very interested in that. <laughs> Just little bits about some of the things about the space race. Yeah. Um, the uh, Soviet cosmonauts, um, and the fact that a lot of the film revolves around uh, radiation, and uh, people saw that as kind of a, you know, We're mirroring about, of yeah. like nuclear weapons and weapons testing, and the fact that it's, it seemed to me, I don't know if I'm right in this, that they fired radiation at the planet, and then the planet kind of almost got revenge on them by yeah, giving yeah. them these, um, you know, the figures that they see, yeah, yeah. yeah, which kind of always kind of, you know, the. Um, the repercussions of playing around with uh, playing God. That and understand. Yeah. And also in the... Because there was a 2002 remake of this film. Yes. Well, yes. Um, Absolutely. George Clooney. Clooney. Yeah. Clooney-tang. Um. <laughs> As I've never called him before. <laughs> well, we all will. will from now. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I haven't seen that film. But the trailer for that, yeah. its tagline is like, what you fear becomes real. <laughs> so, which is different. This yeah. film is subtler. That sounds a lot more Hollywood, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't look great. But yeah, it's the that remake... kind of thing about karma and things coming yeah, back. Yeah, definitely. You. What you mess with messes back with you. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, though. So the remake, uh, 2002, directed by Steven Soderbergh. It's a 
about half the running time of this. It's about 90 minutes yeah. or so. Uh, apparently, it's more faithful to the uh, source material as well. Yeah, because the source the material starts off in space. There's mm, no pre-home yeah. time in that one. Yeah. And also, um, it's more about the idea of second chances rather than exploring humanity. Okay. Which I think this film touches upon the idea of you get a second chance, get, without spoiling yeah. it, getting a second chance. But apparently that film is... And there's more of a romance to that film. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. I, did, I thought like, this film was quite romantic. Definitely, though. yeah. I, yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah. yeah. I think it's quite overarching. Quite nice tender moments. Yeah. yeah, very much about love and how that can make and break things. Yeah, well, there was one moment where they... Um, the uh, gravity's turned off yeah. and they're both floating. And I thought that was a really nice moment, mm-hmm. actually, just these two characters sort of just floating together. Uh, yeah, really beautiful scene. And that didn't look clunky. No, that, that, that was, was really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also as well, I loved the fact that these guys look like just normal guys in space. Yeah. They didn't look like George Clooney. <laughs> no, they definitely no. didn't. They were just like, you know, there's the phrase they use, people use about alien, like truckers in space. <laughs> which I think is very much here. Just these are these aren't astronaut Buzz, you know, Buzz Lightyear type figures in space. These are just normal guys that happen to be in space. They're a bit dirty. A bit dirty, a bit grotty. Shower. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. Can I talk about the trousers? Go. Oh yeah. Well, we have a response on Twitter. This is um, from at heart underscore band who says, "Do you think we'll be that understatedly stylish in the future?" Yes. Helen. Because I am going to launch my own range <laughs> of tight trousers with black lines on it that sort of look like suspenders for men. <laughs> I didn't even notice these trousers, Helen. They're so great. I'm, I'm going to have to <laughs> rewatch all two hours, 45 minutes. Just and I was just like, you are on fleek. Trousers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was paying a lot of attention to his yellow string vest, which was, I think... Slightly less stylish than the trousers. Does it remind you a little bit of girls? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, and look, she gets from Laird. Yeah. It reminds me of that bit. That was I quite would love it if this is where Lena Dunham got yeah. this <laughs> Like, we've seen that and gone, I'm having one of them. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. <laughs> <laughs> but he did have some very stylish pajamas on, yeah. with the embossed like initials on the pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I feel like I'd like a pair of those. It's a bit like her, which is another film. This yeah, great film. Oh, that's um, another good one. I didn't think of that actually. Yeah, they, he's got great trousers in that. Yeah, very high. High, and then sort of a velcro, and he'll yeah. sort of wear the same. No more jean. But <laughs> you were against the jean, Helen. Get rid well, of the I jean. just think it's just think it's done. Uh, it's probably done We've by been that there. point. Yeah. yeah. 
And they look comfy. <laughs> I think that's another thing about the, the sci-fi being subtle is that they're not wearing overtly outlandish outfits, but there's just a slight difference. So yeah. you recognise it as Earth, but mm-hmm. still not the Earth that we live in, which was a nice little touch. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about attire, there was a moment when he first lands on the spaceship that mm-hmm. was like a public service announcement from yeah. the 70s <laughs> about why you must tie your shoelaces <laughs> it's so weird it was like a two minute scene of him like falling over his shoelace and then tying it up and I could just see the voiceover of like Timmy didn't tie his shoelace that day <laughs> maybe these are the reasons that the film was so long the two like two minutes he takes tying his shoelace yeah, up yeah it's all like what did that yeah. mean <laughs> I think know. it's just nice little details to yeah, just maybe just to immerse you in the world of it more like you wouldn't see George Clooney spending that long to tie his shoelaces it's true it shows you how film. things have changed we don't have yeah. the patience for that kind of thing anymore yeah but... oh, now I love that scene <laughs> <laughs> it's the best scene in the film yeah <laughs> Okay, we're going to move on to spoiler territory in a second, but uh, Helen, do you have something to add about a painting, I believe? Long old shot of a painting in this. Oh, right. I don't know if you remember it, maybe you've just thought, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm giving with lighting me now. Snow. Yeah, yeah. And um, a woman is looking at it uh-huh. for a long time. Remind me again, Tarkovsky, am I saying yes. that right? His, he loves this painting. It was yeah. also in... Mirror, the mirror, yeah, by him and Lance von Trier whacked it in Melancholia. Ah. And Ray Anderson used it as inspiration for Roy Anderson, sorry, used it as inspiration for a pigeon sat on a branch, ah. uh, reflecting on existence. And so, it's this scene you can just kind of Google it if you haven't seen the film and you're just interested in this bit because it's not a spoiler of hunters returning from a hunt and they look down on figures on an icy lake and there's a mountain range mm-hmm. in the background which was um inspired it's peter Bruegel who mm-hmm. did this in 1565 and the point of the painting is that um it's got so it's got the hunters who have returned with little food because it's been a very harsh winter and then you've got the skaters um down on the the ice below mm-hmm. who are still living in the sense of live in terms mm-hmm. of love and family and friendship and then you have that compared to the hunters who are failing to live in terms of thriving so mm-hmm. that's like food they mm-hmm. don't have much food and um the way the hunters sort of look out on this scene it was kind of similar to this idea of envisioning what you can't have or what has mm. been lost so that either perfectly... a childhood yeah. or mm. a loss of of a time when you didn't have to worry about uh, food or struggling yeah. to survive mm-hmm. in a real sense. But the people on the lake seem to be surviving on this line, and they're literally on another plane, which is kind of clever too, um, seem to be surviving in despite the harsh conditions, which um, is perfectly know, ties the into the what, ideas of what the has film. been yeah. lost and reflecting what has been lost. Bang on, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Very clever. That's really interesting, actually. So, what? Whereabouts that was that in? That before he goes into space, the painting? No, it's on on the ship. There's loads of. There's also um, a painting of Icarus on the ship. Boy who uh, flew too close to the the sun. sun. So, uh, yeah, it's you're saying that. Yeah, the paintings on the station. I thought the design of the um, interior of the space station was really interesting because it has nothing like any sci-fi film I've seen. Usually, they're very cold, sterile, Mm -hmm. often like 
they like the Apple Store where everything's white <laughs> or like everything's metallic and like workstation uh, workstations, but like loads of weird buttons and lights. This was just like a normal interior of a house sometimes on the Swedish mm. craft, which was a nice little touch, I think, just to differentiate it from. Yeah, yeah and I think films. it kind of shows you how long those guys had been up there. Yeah, they've made it their yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. I also like that it was a complete tip as well in some parts. <laughs> it's like just, there's just two of them that they've just given up. Care. Yeah. One more thing as well about um, the look of the film. So usually in films set in space, like Alien, for example, there's a lot of darkness. Mm-hmm. This film is so light. There's so much light, which I thought was in because usually you have you know, like pitch black outside the window just to show you how far away from home they are. Yeah. But this one is a lot of light. Yeah, there's and, constantly light coming through. Yeah. And yeah, I think there's even a point where he comments on there's a lot of light here, considering we're in space. Mm. And yeah, that did strike me as quite uh, different as a first mm-hmm. science fiction film. There's also a really beautiful scene of um, the woman against uh, a golden sort of shimmery mm. light. Um, in the evening time, mm. which again you you don't get that kind of sunset moment. Yeah, um, in, in space films. Definitely, we'll stop calling her the woman in a minute. <laughs> yeah, when we can yeah, spoil. We can, yeah. There's just so much to spoil yeah. in this film, isn't there? There is. All right, should we get to the spoiler section now? Let's do it. Just one more uh, quote from Twitter. This is from at Martin the Legend. <laughs> <laughs> Great, Martin. <laughs> Martin the Legend. I think it's far superior to Kubrick's 2001. Tarkovsky's best work, despite his unhappiness with it. So that's. Two interesting statements there. One that he thinks is better than 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is quite a bold claim. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, Tarkovsky was not very happy with this film. It's actually his least favourite of all his films. And yeah, it's one of his most famous. Mm. So anyway, if you, uh, yeah, do check out the film. It is an absolute uh, masterpiece of the genre, I think. So check it out on Curzon Home Cinema. And then come back and listen to the final part of the podcast. We're going to spoil the hell out of it. <laughs> So, the woman is the apparition of his dead wife who commits suicide. Yeah. That's pretty heavy going, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really heavy. And um, she doesn't just yeah. commit suicide once. I mean, she does it in real life, and, and then, then she does comes it again, back, and again, and again. back life, because, yeah, she can't die. Yeah. She's actually immortal. Um, like Torchwood. Like Torchwood. There we go, another reference. <laughs> also, there's a Winking. John Carpenter film called Starman, which stars Jeff Bridges, who, as an alien, who takes the form of... Um, the female character's dead husband. Mm. So that's also playing into, really must have been heavily influenced by mm. this idea as well. So also, I'll... Chris sees his dead wife. What does he do? Whacks him in a space shuttle. Yeah. Just get rid of her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in you go, love. <laughs> but that's kind of the horror aspect of yeah, it as well. Yeah, no, that's that where mm. I got scared. Seeing someone who you know to be dead and who have died in quite a traumatic way. I think he handles it quite well. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm just going to pop it no. He is quite calm about okay. it. Okay, right. Okay, so he sends her into space. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll give you that it's a quite an extreme reaction, but he's quite calm. He's not like, who the hell are you? What are you doing? Because if I saw someone that was supposed to be dead, I think I'd freak out. Mm. He just quite calmly yeah. sends her Whack, off. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Close the door. I'm coming. I'm coming too. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. quite harsh. It's an extreme reaction. I know it's, there's a horrible bit because he's then stuck in the room with the oh. uh, rocket fuel. Yeah. yeah, but that is the yeah, the idea of um, your, the dead lover coming back to life was really interesting and really well handled. I mm-hmm. thought, and it's the main focus of the film. Yes. I think the idea of the past coming back to haunt you, and also as we spoke about earlier, the idea of getting a second chance with someone. Yeah. I also love the idea of the fact that the planet is a character itself. Yeah, <laughs> that the, the planet is like 
messing around with them essentially i love and is probing them and is trying thinking what how will these humans react if i do this yeah Mm -hmm. which was really great really interesting really uh, just a great sci-fi concept i thought so should we explain a bit? Because I don't know if yeah, you properly go explained. For it. So the plant oh great. <laughs> <laughs> you were just go, Helen. To do that one. <laughs> so the planet is sort of like you say, messing with them. Yeah. And it seems to be sort of taking their dreams, their yeah. visions mm-hmm. from their sleep. I think they say it does yeah, while they're sleeping the yeah. planet can go into their minds and make people from their past appear real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they kind of, it sort of yeah. uses that as a blueprint. And yeah. like you say, then in the day, or actually at night as well, yeah. um, appears them on the ship. Yeah, in physical form as well. They're mm. physically there as well. Mm-hmm. They're not just, I mentioned earlier, hallucinations. They're not. They're genuinely there. Yeah. Uh, he says, they're one of the scientists says that they're made from uh, neutrinos, I believe, uh, which is a different kind of... Uh, Opposite of atoms or something Yeah, like that. something like that. So there is some science involved in this some that's science fiction. That's apparently a good uh, every like, sci-fi film when they're trying to use an yeah. explanation. Yeah, explanation. It's just... neutrinos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, the idea of... <gasps> My the... trousers are going to be called the neutrinos. The neutrinos. <laughs> Excellent that's work. That's perfect, Helen. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, and I, yeah, I love the idea that she... Uh, the deer. I love the idea... <laughs> love that deer. Love that deer. Love, do you remember the scene with the deer, everyone? Uh, the idea that the past will recreate itself mm-hmm. and that time will eventually fix itself. Like the fact that this mm-hmm. woman is back and she should not be back mm-hmm. and essentially kills herself again because she's not meant to exist. And time this is just going to... Yeah, it's just happen all, all over, over yeah. and over again. I it's a really bleak kind of existence, though, to Absolutely, know how yeah. miserable you are and that you can't end yeah. the cycle of... And for him as well. Mm. Yeah, he has to watch his wife die over, over and, and over, over again. Yeah. yeah. Loads of Doctor Who in that. There is, yeah. yeah. Doctor Who has just been all over this film. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, she's just... I've never seen someone freak out so much when they can't open a door. <laughs> yeah. She's another love, level. Love, push it the other way. No! Rips through <laughs> it. Tears it, it down. <laughs> it opens the other way. She's <laughs> then extreme. She just pushes herself through this door and she's all cut and. You left the room! She said. <laughs> but she can heal, so it's all yeah, fine. You can yeah. then find out she can heal. Yeah, that was a weird. That was a strange. I feel like that wasn't 100% necessary to have her. What, her healing. Yeah, it just, it just felt like it added another layer to of not confusion just something mm-hmm. else to complicate her the the nature of this uh this thing Ability. the, visi- yeah. the visitor yeah. they call yeah. it yeah yeah it felt just not not too much but just slightly another thing that we've got to question and think about mm-hmm. that isn't explained and it could have worked for her to have scars yeah it worked as a kind it just, of it didn't memory need to be. yeah but she did have that scar didn't she of yeah. like where she'd actually yeah. killed herself yeah. with the injection yeah yeah it was never gonna heal yeah absolutely uh, so what do you think the uh, big question now what's the Tarkovsky saying by having the dead wife come back well the film for me just felt so much about like con- your conscience mm-hmm. and your guilt and shame and all of that kind of stuff and it felt like that planet was sort of just like plaguing mm. the people there constantly mm. with that like you wouldn't they wouldn't couldn't escape it so I don't know I don't know what he's trying to say about that okay. whether or not he just wants to explore those themes yeah. or if he's got a deeper message with it that I haven't quite got yet don't know about you guys. I don't know. I think there's some grief going on in there. Definitely, like I think an it's analysis a, yeah. of grief and the idea that you, when someone dies, it's the it's the death that you get stuck replaying mm. over and over again, 
sort of as a way to feel it's it's the most it's the strongest memory for a while mm-hmm. so you yeah. use that to feel close to them but then of course you're losing them over and over again yeah. and like you said before the idea of a second chance and kind of what's the difference between if you could have them back yeah but give things up mm-hmm. all those questions yeah i think it's really that's really well handled as well mm. yeah and it's just the idea that um you can't escape your um grief yeah, and I also can't, part of me thinks that the planet the, isn't real, and that mm. it's just this man is trapped now away from Earth, away from every single kind of distraction, mm-hmm. and all he's got to think about is his dead wife, and so he sort of projects her onto the ship with him, and he keeps seeing her dying over and over again. And the force he's feeling is yeah materialised as this planet. In his yeah, head. that's definitely. really good reading. Mm. That's cool. Um, so, anything to add before we talk about the very final scene? Uh, which is the final shot, in fact, which mm-hmm. I think was did, uh, took me by surprise. Yeah. yeah. And was a great... Classic sci-fi. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it's just sort of a very... It's kind of Twilight zone yeah. kind of ending. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> in, yeah. So he ultimately, he chooses to believe the fantasy, essentially. Mm. That he, go, he goes down to Solaris because islands randomly appear. I didn't really understand why that happened, but it happened. Yes, I think yeah. the thoughts, when you think about yeah. something a lot, it happens so much, they can build an island. Yeah. Not really sure either. <laughs> but yeah, he's back at home with his parents, and as the camera zooms out, it reveals that he is on the island in mm. Solaris, living the lie that he's still at home. and Inception-y. Yeah, it's yeah, quite inception Yeah, very inception Yeah. Yeah, and it's in- interesting, this thing that this someone chose to live in their delusion, that he had a choice, because one of the um, other scientists say, you should go, I think you should go home. Yeah, yeah. Um, I so, think that's the last thing he says before it cuts to yeah. him apparently being home, and then you find out. Yeah, yeah I really thought he had gone home. I was yeah. so sad. It's a really sad out. ending, actually, yeah. isn't it? That he chooses. He's so unhappy in his in reality yeah. that and he, he has gets no to choice. See his father again. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But he doesn't. Oh, it's his fake father. It's a fake father. Yeah, but in his in mind, his mind is, he hasn't yeah. lost his father. Do you think? Do you so? Do you maybe the final question then? Do you think he knows that these people aren't real and is just wants to? Um, live this facade for the rest of his life or is he pushed to the point where he's got nothing else to believe but the the visitors and what Solaris Mm. is telling him that he's not gone mad per se but he's been tricked and he now thinks this is reality I think it's a choice so he's chosen to live yeah, because they're very adamant yeah. about the fact that they they know yeah. their own mind and they know what's happening, I think happening, you're right. It's they? clear. Mm. I mean, I said it's quite ambiguous at times, but I also think it is also very clear that they know that these things aren't real. Mm-hmm. He does say, oh, she's not a um, specimen, she's my wife. Yeah. But I think ultimately he does kind of know it's not her. Yeah, and he talks about Harry as in the past as separate to the Harry he's got now as well. Yeah, yeah. To her. two separate people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I want to believe for his sake that he thinks it's real because mm. that's such an uh, I mean that's a nicer state of mind to be yeah. in. I mean, doesn't the um the guy that he's in contact with to begin with say something like, "Oh, you know, I wish I was mad. Like madness yeah. would be preferable to that's, this." That's true, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know. I hope he d- is mad and mm. he does believe it's true, <laughs> but I don't think he is. <laughs> Bit like Shutter Island. Another, yeah. I'm Nothing. just full of all of this. I think <laughs> all the way through we've been talking about other films a lot, but I think that's um, a testament to this film. Yeah. Well, this is what I mean. It's, yeah. it's This film has obviously inspired... It did it all first, yeah. yeah. Whether it actually physically has or not. Yeah. All of these other films. So I would really say 
yes, it's a long watch, but if you want to see sort of one of the first sci-fi and where all those ideas were implanted, watch this film because you see them there for for one of the first times. Absolutely. And I think that's a great uh, place to end. I think you just summed it up. Now yeah, on the head, Helen. Yeah. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, please do uh, watch the re- uh, other Tarkovsky films on Curzon Home Cinema. And uh, if you've got any questions for us, uh, you can tweet us at Curzon Cinemas with the hashtag Curzon Podcast. And if you enjoyed the podcast, review us on iTunes. So that's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. See you later. Bye. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.